a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on PulpMX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome everybody to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast, Motocross Does Nations Wrap-Up. Of course, Weijin JT will join me here in a second to uh, try to cover everything that happened this past weekend at Redbud. Wow. I'm not sure we can, but uh, will we we will get into it and dive into it. Flyracing.com, please check them out on the web. They were there this weekend with many, many riders, and uh, they got their brand-new truck for Supercross 2019 when they are the presenting sponsors. Uh, please check them out. Get the latest and greatest gear, lots of styles, lots of colors, and uh, they can dial you in, and you can look just like Blake Baggett out there, Zach Osborne or many, many other guys. Not Weston Pike. Don't look like him. Also, too, thanks to Maxis uh, as well. Grab the whole shot with uh, Maxis Tires, MXST Tire, developed by the Jeremy McGrath. Available now, and Chris Kiefer tested them and likes them. And uh, so please, if you're looking for a set of tires for your bike, check out the Maxis MXST line of tire. And also, to Alpine Stars, you know the name, you know the quality of Alpine Stars, whether it's the Tech 10 boot, which is the most advanced boot in moto, the A4 chest protector, the A1, the uh, Nexus support system i love the tech sevens if you uh, need a boot without a booty get the tech sevens absolutely love them they had some special release uh boots and gear at the destinations and it looked great thanks to the alpine stars as well alpine stars protects all right let's dive into it with weege and jt and try to make sense of the 2018 motocross nations so like i was saying there's plenty to talk about when it comes to the Motocross as Nations, the Racer X TV show, the Pit Bike Race, and the weekend in general. So let's get right to it. Uh, thanks to uh, Fly Racing, of course. Thanks to Alpine Stars. Thanks to Maxis. I know I already said that, but thanks to those guys anyways. With me on the line to talk about everything that happened this past weekend. First up, the host of RacerTV.com for approximately, um, let's see, uh, 9 hours and 40 minutes of the 10 hours. Jason Wygant. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you, bro. I do not. You know what's weird? I didn't you. even, it was so fun that it didn't bother me one bit. And then I was telling my wife last night how tired I was once I was finally home. Uh-huh. And she's like, yeah, you did 10 hours of live announcing on a stage. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. But it didn't seem that way. Like, it was just awesome. <laughs> right. I didn't even want to take a break. Um, we had 34 Team USA dudes to talk to. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also, to uh, talk about Team USA and another defeat, he's surprisingly not that upset. I think it's sinking in, Weege. I think it's just getting to be acceptance. Acceptance. Yeah. Acceptance. Uh, from Fly Racing, Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? 
Not too much, and we'll we'll discuss this in depth. But I think the the weather and conditions were the only thing that that just kept a hold on to my sanity. If we would have lost perfect conditions, sunny day, uh, and it went like that, I would have had a very a very tough time being on this phone call. <laughs> um, yeah, I I mean definitely there was something to that, but I mean. Seven years in a row now, Team USA, of course, hasn't won this race. And I'll start with you, Weege, first. Uh, they weren't even close. They weren't even close. At Redbud. No. At Redbud. No, that's the part that doesn't make any sense. No. It's true that I think a bunch of circumstances probably did work against the team. Like JT said, the weather. And, you know, they messed up their qualifying races. And the gate pick is way more important at a GP-style race than a, than a national we're used to here. Um, but whatever, okay, maybe that's going to make the difference team being edged out. But to not even be close, like to not even be close, seriously, I would say maybe the seven or eight minutes where Plessinger led the 250 race on Saturday before crashing, that was the only moment that they were even in it. Never with lap times in any practice or qualifying, never in the motos, even when Tomac had a few moments where it looked like he was starting to get it rolling. Mm-hmm. It was never the fastest guy at any point. No. So that's what is so puzzling to me. If they got beat under these conditions and it was close, okay. But under no conditions, if they're like, say, what do you say? They were 20% off, 30% off. You can't blame all that on no. circumstances. What the hell happened? Well, I mean, this is a very, the fans and the listeners get very passionate, JT, about this race. And, you know, there's lots of digs at USA, and it does seem like it's USA versus the world at times. So mm-hmm. us covering this race have to be careful to not sound like we're, we have excuses. You know, they got beat. Let's start with yeah, that. No, I, like, yeah, I, don't, I haven't made an excuse at all. I, I think yeah. they performed like the sixth place team. I really do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that they are better riders than that. And, and I think that they will wish for a very long time that they perform to the level they're capable of. But you know, racing is that way, you know, and, and we talked about this at length leading up to the race, and this, I didn't know it was going to rain like this, you know, for three or four days straight, obviously, and I didn't realize the track was going to be in the in the condition it was in, but this was kind of why I kept saying that it's racing and there's no way I'm considering anything a lock or handing anybody anything because it's just, there's just too much craziness that can go on. And, yeah, all it takes is a couple days of bad weather, and it it takes a team that I think was our best shot to win in in several years uh, to a very mediocre team on on Sunday. I I was talking on our text message, and I sent that Tim Ritchie. I was talking to Tim Ritchie, the owner of the track, via text message. Mm-hmm. And I was very surprised, JT. When, when and I don't think Tim has any reason to lie or to you know to, to to not know or anything else. He said he only dumped sand in the one off camber and then also in the new section where the new start was and all that. And that blew my mind. It looked like a different track, man. It was sandy for sure, but I think it's it's usually sandy at the national as well. It's just harder. It's not watered as much, so it's not as thick. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I obviously think he was telling the truth. He was probably as disappointed as, as anyone with USA's results. You know, there he go. He travels globally to all these events too. He's a big USA supporter. So, um, yeah, I, I take him at his word on that. 
you know, I think it was just so much water over so many days. The sand was yeah. really the only thing that saved the track. Yeah. As much as it hindered the USA, it would have been, you know, just apocalyptic I mean, if it hadn't been for the sand. Plessinger said it was unlike any red bud he's ridden, and he's ridden there a ton, and it was so different. And okay, so he didn't have a great day, so that could be a little bit of, you know, just what you say to the media. But Dylan Ferrandis won the damn thing and was like, this is so different. This track was so different. And he won. Well, yeah, I mean, look, you know? at, look at the rain. I mean, I, I got there Wednesday, and it, it was cold on Wednesday, but then it started raining. And it kind of never stopped. Like, yeah, we got a break on Sunday, but it was misty and and raining hard on Sunday morning, and we never saw the sun. You know, it was just a horrific downturn of weather, you know, conditions. And the track, as bad as it was, as bad as it was, like I just said, the only thing that saved it was the sand. Unfortunately for the U.S., that was the perfect scenario, the perfect storm for, you know, especially the Netherlands to turn in a legendary performance. That That's what they ride on all the time. Those conditions are not what the USA guys ride on, if ever, because from what I know, in, in weather conditions like that, most guys are going to the house. Like, they're, they're maybe going to do one moto and just to say they rode in the mud that day and didn't waste a day. But for the, the MXGP guys, that's normal day every single day, moto after moto for several months. You know, anytime they go riding... Uh, December, January, February, that's what they're running into. So to say they were prepared for a track like that would be an understatement. Weege, now, Tomax one moto was good. Not great, but good. A good ride. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. And yeah. the other five motos, WTF. Uh, yeah, and even his good <laughs> moto was a fourth. So like I'm saying, I think the only remote bright spot was there were a few minutes where Plessinger was leading on Saturday where you're like, okay. <laughs> Okay, and that was it, because even the fourth for Tomac, I mean, how many fourths did he get all summer long? How many, what, has Plessinger ever just straight up gotten a 15th in a moto his entire pro career? You know what I'm saying? So I almost fear, yes, the track was a huge factor, and I can sum it up like this. Most of the mud races in the U.S. these days are rut races. This somehow was a mud race, but it wasn't ruddy. It was a completely different type of mud. But let's bust out the Pulp MX blame pie here. Uh, it's like I said, if they're, say, 30% off, maybe you can blame 10% of it on the track. Yeah. It wasn't ideal circumstances. But they just got smoked anyway. Maybe they would have been closer. But to finish sixth, I, if they got second this year and it was a point or two, you could say, man, if the conditions were different, maybe they would have yep. won. But you yep. cannot yep. make that argument. And I know JT's not making that either. I just fear if we talk about the conditions too much that people are going to say we're using that <laughs> as an excuse. It is inexcusable well, to get sixth at home under any circumstances. I think I think the only yeah. reason I pointed conditions so much is, is not because we lost. We've lost a lot of times in a row. But yeah. I think when you look at their performances and they're so far off. I mean they were these guys they weren't even close to the battles, you know. On yeah. any on you know, Plessinger led his race, Barsha kept it kept uh Coldenhoff honest. Uh, you know, Tomac was, was really nowhere near the front on Saturday. So really overall whether it was time practice qualifying or motos we were never really in this thing, and I think that's where you get the WTFs from the fans. Uh, yeah. So, you know, for me, it's not an excuse about not winning. It's more of an excuse about where these guys were. They weren't even close. 
Um, now the MX- yeah, and the only yeah. other yardsticks we have are Ferrandis and Ken Roxon, who both race here. And it's tr- like you said, Mathis, Ferrandis wasn't as bad as Plessinger, but he also wasn't as good as he was in July. Uh, you know, he, yeah. I think most people thought it'd be him, Plessinger, battling for the win in that class. They were not in the same okay. area as Prado and uh, if, Lawrence. Yeah. If U.S. – I mean, their starts were garbage all day. Nobody yeah. got a start. Inside gate guys, outside gate guys, it didn't matter. If they pull starts, does it change? Because I did get some one-line talk. I did get, you know – I mean, I don't think they'd beat Koldenhoff and, and uh, Hurlings. Does it change with better starts? Or, I mean, I it helps, but we're not, we're not, we don't beat, I don't think we beat France or the Netherlands in, yeah. in motos. Right. It, it helps, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. But not yeah, I agree. It's like there's two, there were two things happening at once. A was just not being good enough, not riding good enough. And then B, they compounded it with, you know, screwing up on Saturday with Plessinger crashing and Tomax bike breaking led to the bad gate picks, which led to bad starts. I believe that. And we even saw some video of Tomac, how bad his start was on the Saturday race, which does matter. Uh, I don't think they were fully prepared for how different the metal grate start is and the whole procedure there. I know they use a metal grate in Supercross, but that's not the same. Uh, so a lot of it is you've got to do your research and homework and not screw up those Saturday races so you don't have the screwed up gate picks, so you don't have the bad starts. Um, so they compounded it. They didn't ride well, but then they also did everything else wrong also which made it even worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, I mean, yeah, no excuses. It, it just, it, it didn't work. JT, uh, yeah. you were, you were in, in the skybox thing behind the start. Um, mm-hmm. couple of questionable. First of all, Barsha got a flat in the third moto. I don't know why you wouldn't run a moose that cost the USA fourth still yep. f- points back, but I don't know why they wouldn't run a moose and, 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 and it must be Barsha's call or some somebody's call uh gate choice jt uh wet tire on the grate a few things you saw that made you wonder what was going on talk about that yeah that so they they left inside gates open for some reason i don't know if they just did not see it or that was a a strategic decision to me that was a mistake they had to have not seen it they had to have not there's no way they look at it and be like nah I hear you. I'm just leaving every right. okay, right? Okay. <laughs> For what whatever happened, they left inside gates open, and there were good starts coming from the inside all day. So that was that was a mistake. They also and, and Tomax last moto, uh, they did not use a clean brand new wheel for the start. Uh, you know, Barsha, Hurlings, Rocks, and all these guys had rear rear tires that were clean, not wet and brand new ready for that grate because uh, any type of moisture or mud on your tire, it just it makes that spinning so much easier off the grate. Mm-hmm. Um, Tomac, Tomac had a, a wet and muddy wheel. They then carried said wet and muddy wheel to the gate, which I don't understand the logic behind that. Uh, the only reason you carry it is to keep it dry, and it was already ruined. So I, that was a strange situation to me. I, it was kind of shaking my head, and I still don't understand that one. But, hey, that's how it went. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let me just explain that so okay. people at home understand. I just want to help you here. So after yeah. the sight lap, most of the good teams that have a lot of bikes and parts and mechanics, they would swap the rear wheel and then carry the bike with the fresh rear wheel over to the gate so that rear wheel was dry. But you're saying that Tomac did not swap it. They just still carried the bike anyway with a muddy rear tire. Right. Yeah, I, would, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't yep. 
understand because, okay, if that's your decision and you don't think it matters with the moisture or anything, okay, great, we'll just ride over. But when you don't change it and then you still carry it, I don't, I don't, I don't understand what you're trying to accomplish. Like, like yeah. well, we're just going to pretend like we saw it. I just, I didn't get it. Uh, and then obviously we saw at Tomac Star Charter, they were just all, yeah. all weekend. Uh, we had video of his qualifier on Saturday that was pretty, pretty horrible for a rider of his caliber. You know, this, he was spinning. And to me, it just looked like there wasn't a lot of um, prep and research for the conditions they were going to face from track to start to. You know, before the moto prep, as far as switching wheels, and I just saw so many aspects of other teams doing things that we weren't doing. Um, another aspect of that that a lot of the teams were they would run tape all the way down the swing arm that covered the axle and you know axle blocks on both sides. So when they came in from the hot lap, they could just rip the tape off, and you had a brand new clean setup there. You know, to to switch swap wheels real quickly. I didn't see us doing. St- just all the little things like that. I also saw the MXGP riders, you know, when you go out for your sight lap, you roll over the little, you know, uh, hump thing that they build, and it's kind of part of the pageantry. Well, our guys would just go down the left side of the start onto the track like normal, right? Well, the MXGP guys would ride towards their gate, line up with their gate, and then do a burnout to try to create a pad all the way down that they were going to then recreate on the actual start yeah you know, it's just i'm not saying any of those things made us lose i'm just saying it was detail after detail after detail after detail that we just weren't doing we were not doing it and it just didn't seem like we had the experience or the preparation or the know-how and all these weird situations that you know that stuff starts to add up and you know maybe you don't win maybe the, the you know the french team and the netherlands obviously if they have lander and they went easily uh, but maybe we get a third. You know, maybe we're more in the mix than we were. Yeah. Well, doesn't it just indicate? I was watching the race with um, Ultimate Bench Racers that you guys use in your fantasy shows, uh, Dan Truman, Paul Parabinos, and they were pointing out all these things as well. Uh, yeah, and Moto2, the very inside gate, Team USA could have picked it. They didn't pick it. Canada, who picked behind them, got it. And then the brutal one was the last moto. Somehow gate three was left open. Yeah. Uh, they gave Hurlings the good gate for the Netherlands. He picked like gate five. And then by the time everyone had picked their first gate, gate three was still open. And Koldenhoff took it. And somehow the Dutch ended up with gates three and five <laughs> with their <laughs> gate picks. And there was Barsha way out there. And then there was Tomac. I mean, you couldn't even see him. He was so far outside. And with the starting great... You're, you're not even worried about the prep, what the rut looks like behind the gate. Sometimes people are picking because the rut behind the yeah. gate is bad. That's not yeah. a factor. Maybe the rut in front of the gate was bad, but I'm telling you, Barsha was 10 gates further to the left yeah. than a gate that was sitting there. So what I'm saying is, yeah, these aren't excuses. I think this is a pointed thing of obviously the blame is going to go to the three riders, but with France continuing to win, even in years where they don't seem to have the best um, talent, there is proof that there is a system here. There is camaraderie, teamwork, spirit. Everybody talks shit on the French team. Clearly, they've got a strategy. And in this race, we're finding out if, it's a lot more than just who can twist it. If I, was, uh, if I was Team France, I would put on Instagram today with just a giant middle finger. That's Me it. too. That's it. That's Suck all. It. That's, yep, that's all I would yep. do. Because, uh, uh, I, w- I mean, I apologize to Fernandez and Paulin in the press conference. I'm like, I, I can't believe it. I, all the shit I talked on you guys for not picking Marv. Yeah. And you did it. Um, 
So Yeah, so, so what I'm getting at is these details, they are small details, but to me it's an indicator of the larger thing of these other teams are studying things, doing homework, looking into all the little details that add up throughout the day. Like, I have so much respect for the Kawasaki team. They are so solid for like the last 30 years. You could probably argue they're the most successful team in U.S. motocross, but their bike broke in a 20-minute moto on Saturday, and that screwed up the gate pick. And again, the gate pick's not the difference between winning, but those things all add up. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, yep. It's the, the, the USA effort has gone sideways. Uh, yes. You know, it really has. Yes. And, and, and I, don't, I don't – is that too strong of a statement? I don't think so. JT? No, I don't, I don't, that, I don't I mean, think it is. I mean, there's years where we haven't had good guys. But, I mean, this year we did. They weren't close. You realize – I don't feel like you can just blame the riders for that. You realize this just makes RV just another year of all, <laughs> all of this shit from RV that we, we are going to get. Um I mean, yeah. No one else makes this even more puzzling. Mm -hmm. I know that the main takeaway that a lot of people want to say is our guys just aren't good enough anymore. But what makes that harder for me to understand is in 2016, Team USA absolutely should have won the race. They were the best team there. Anderson got landed on after winning a moto. They were the best team in 2016. In that same year, we saw Tomac destroy these same dudes that beat him this weekend in the USGPs. That's what makes it so hard to, to square up with. We've seen proof that at least they're on the level. So yeah. being this far off just doesn't make yeah, that's, any sense. That's not, I'm not talking about 10 years ago. I'm talking yeah. about two. No, and then that's why I think you can't you know, overreact to this and just be like, oh, God, they're so far off. They got beat badly. No excuses. All three guys had a bad day. But, I mean, yeah. all the stuff that I was saying beforehand about look at the U.S. results on U.S. soil. Look at this nation's results. Look at the GP results. All of that. I still believe that, but. It just it's a terrible day. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah. JT, the conditions at Redbud weren't that far. They were worse than Jacksonville, but they weren't that far off of Jacksonville. And Tomac went 1-3. You know, RJ Hampshire won the MX2. So. Yeah, it was uh, – It was. A, I think the track was the big factor. And, and I'm trying to be careful because we don't want to make excuses, but I think when you come back to everything, the track, they just – they, our guys didn't know how to ride it the way that Euro guys did. They just they didn't look the same. I didn't see any intensity from any of our guys. It was and, and that's from all three of them on Sunday. I didn't see one lap. You know, and Tomac's lap wasn't terrible in the final mode. He was or in the first run, excuse me. He was four tenths slower than Jeffrey. But I just didn't see any intensity at all from any of them at any point the whole day I didn't see anything that I would be like yeah man they're finally they're going to catch fire and, and turn it around I didn't see any of that so the only thing I can point to is is just the conditions had them just baffled they just could not figure out how to ride it you know at the level yeah. that they're used to yeah Plessinger I want to point something out that I okay. saw go ahead um the pits, I haven't been to one of these in a long time, as you guys know, so I've always been curious. You know, I can watch all the racing, but how the pits are set up and how everybody pits together. Um, it is not shocking at all that the most organized team set up by far was Team France. They had a Team France compound. Uh, they made sure that, you know, Tixie and Paulin pitted right next to each other because that was fortunate. One was on a KTM, one was on a Husky. Frandis obviously couldn't. He was over on a Yamaha. But they had a very organized setup over there. They were so set up and so well organized that at the end, when they were celebrating, they kept the riders inside the team truck so every member of the French Federation could do a little speech, get a round of applause from the fans. Even their victory celebration 
was carefully orchestrated. And again, you cannot win five of these in a row, and it's not like they've just had one dude winning all the motos and just carrying them. They've won it through teamwork. They've got a system, clearly, and I think we're just sending good riders and just figuring, ah, they're fast. It'll work out. And France has figured out a code well, uh, for this, I believe. But this was the three best guys. And, and in the past, last year, Italy, we didn't send the three best guys. You know? So that's why everyone was like, huh? These are the three best guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we've had 450 the guy I, on a, with a 250 rider years yeah. and years and years in a well, row look, now. Dan Bentley, Mitch Payton are a couple of guys that have told me, Brock Glover, guys that have told me, listen, they need to all pit together, they need to hang out and all that. And, and they used to, and maybe that's true to a certain extent, but I mean, only France does it now, and you mentioned Ferrandis wasn't under there, and, you know, Australia wasn't together, and Netherlands, you know, guys weren't to. Well, I guess Netherlands were together. They're all KTMs, but I, I just – I don't – don't give me Roger at the coster as a reason. Don't give me the pit together as a reason. You know? I don't know. I'm, I'm Why not, not, though? I'm not really there. Why not? Hey, I, gotta, I feel I like if the team that keeps winning with different riders every year is doing it, how can we not point to that? All right, JT had to – he'll call back. He had to go. Um, yeah. But, he, yeah. yeah, he'll call back. Uh, so, yeah, Weege, um, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't hurt, but that's not the reason why. And Roger, Roger well, doesn't need to be right. turfed. You know, I mean, maybe there needs to be better organization. And, honestly, it, it, I'll be surprised if Roger goes to, to Assen um, for the Team USA. He's got a new role at KTM and Husqvarna, and, um, you know, it's been seven years in a row. I don't know. I'm not sure Roger will be the guy next year. Yeah, I cannot say that he's the reason or they're not paying together as a reason. But I think what we can all agree here is they were so far off and beat so badly, there cannot possibly be any one reason to be that far off. To me, it has to be multiple things all adding up. A, I'll give it to you. Maybe they're just not as good. Maybe they're just not as good. So that's, that has to be the overarching reason you have to take that hit. But all these other things we're talking about just kept adding up to them to be further and further and further off. And, you know, this is – this is the X factor every year. Their season ended seven weeks ago. And I know these guys said they were motoring down. They were fired up. They were enthusiastic. It was Red Bud. But you have to wonder, with seven weeks, and that's one of the only rest time, actually the only rest time they're going to get yeah. all year, I mean, how much of a factor is that? There's nothing we can do about it. But I'm just trying to come up with every, whether you want to call it excuse or reason, how they've gone from the dominant team to this far back. And I think it's all these things. Um, adding up because my proof is it's not just about the talent you have in the gate. France is proving that there are ways to yeah. manipulate to that game, the game, the game, the system a little bit or whatever. Well, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Paul in I looked. He went two three. That's his best performance in any race all year. Mm-hmm. I think he went best, three three one time. In it's the his best designations ride since Latvia. You know? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. The dudes yeah. just step it up. I right. mean. Ask anyone who is watching GPs this year if you would put money on the final moto. Paulin had to beat Tony Caroli to win it for France, and he did. Yeah. Would anyone have bet on that? Yeah. Yeah, it was um, it was this perfect storm of bunch of things and bad riding. I can't. I mean, Plessinger in the first moto was ninth, I think, on the first lap. Eighth, all looking yeah. good. He had the inside gate. It was all looking good. Uh, Tomac was coming up. And it yep. was all okay. It was. I thought it was fine because Prado was up front, but there wasn't. I think maybe Hunter Lawrence was maybe a couple spots ahead of him. And Aaron just started sinking from there. Crashed a couple times or at least once. And man, 
I and then Barsha Barsha honestly never really moved up much, did he? Like few spots, but never really got going in any in either yeah. one of his motos. Yeah, I think he basically went down in Moto Two or, or got pushed over a berm. Either way, he was last. Uh, and in the first lap, he came around suddenly like 15th. Like he must have passed 20 dudes in the yeah. first lap. Now, as I've said, it's a little different at this nation's because even the, the back of the field is not necessarily the best. I mean, keep in mind, one of the riders he'd have to pass would be Kevin Windham. Oh, no, wait, Travis Pastrana. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like these are the dudes you're battling with when you're in 30th at the donations. But once, so I, after the first lap, I'm like, dude, he just passed like 20 guys. He's ripping. But yep, that was about it. And then late in the second moto, Abarsha's mom turned to me and she's like, can you try to tell me something good that's happening? <laughs> and what did you and tell her? And at that time, I thought they still even somehow had a shot at it because we knew the Dutch were out. And then Tixier's bike blew up. And I'm like, well, look, if you say that the team now we have to beat is France uh, because the Dutch are out, would you, wouldn't you say even on a bad day that Tomac could beat Paulin and Barsha could beat Tixier? And you think that Plessinger and Ferrandis are even up? Yeah, you would yeah. still take those odds. I would. And then in yeah. Moto Three, sucked again. Yeah. Well, Barca did. They beat. They did beat Tixier, but yeah, they didn't come close to Paul in. So, yeah, it, it was it was amazing. I was watching. The, I'm just like, who's who's out there riding right now? What is going on? Um, uh, yeah, and that's it's kind of unfortunate for them because. I mean, if you're any of the European fans who is going to be crowing about this, and deservedly so. Yeah. I mean, we know from watching these guys every week, this is not, they didn't ride like they normally do, for no. whatever reason. No. Track, or they choked, or they weren't prepared, or they just suck. I don't know. But if you're a European fan, it'd be so easy to leave there and be like, yeah, I saw Eli Tomac. I saw Barca. <laughs> I saw Plessinger. What's all the hype? Yeah. I saw them ride. They weren't fast. Yeah. Yeah, there was, there was nothing going on, right. Um... Yeah. How about Saturday? Hurlings crashes in the first turn, goes in the mechanics area. He would have passed Eli Tomac in a 20-minute moto. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In a way, Tomac's bike breaking, we were saying, that bailed him out. Yeah, it really did. Cause, yeah, he would have because he got third and Tomac was in fifth. Because he was coming. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, the classic, that is the classic um, when you have a track that's pretty one-lined. And, look, there wasn't a lot of passing really in any of the motos. No. Um, but what you'll always get is this is one of my things, just like adding points up in advance, predicting mutters in advance. Mm-hmm. You cannot use one dude coming through traffic as proof that a track has a lot of passing, but you'll get that. Because I've already seen a million people say, they said the track was one line, but I saw hurlings pass 40 guys on Saturday. Yes, if you are the fastest man on the planet, which I'm saying, and you are going 20 or 20% faster in every section of the track, you can pick the shit line and still pass dudes. Yeah. That doesn't mean the track offers a lot of passing. We've seen it over and over. As I will put my money on the 39 guys in the moto who could not do any passing yeah. as proof yeah. of, instead of the one guy who passed everyone because he's freaking unreal. And, and you want to talk about Paul in and, you know, 2-3 and never did that all year? Uh, Glenn Koldenhoff, everybody. Glenn, Glenn Koldenhoff went 1-1. And go look at his MXGP results. Go look at those. Yeah, look, I think he had two or three podiums all I've, year. I've seen Glenn Koldenhoff for a long time in both classes. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that was riding his bike. So, <laughs> yeah. 
And yeah, so, I was hoping when I look back at his stats that like, oh yeah, but when they get to Vulcan Sword or a Sand Track, like then he kills it. But he's just better there. But he still doesn't go one one. No, no, not at all. So, oh man, I mean, there's so much to unwrap. Just yeah, the MX2 guys, you know, Prado, Lawrence, Watson in that second moto. Oh, just good battle. Just great battle and just Barsha and uh, and uh, Plessinger just way back. Way back. Yeah, the, uh, Ferrandez had a crash in the second moto. And like I said, I was trying to, for Barsha's mom, come up with some some positive thinking here. I'm like, well, Tixier's out. So they're going to beat one of Ferrandez's guys in this moto. And Ferrandez crashed, and Barsha was behind him. I think they were eighth and ninth. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if Barsha could pull this out... Essentially, the two Americans will have beaten the two Frenchmen, and maybe that puts them back in it. We'll do the math and see what happens. And on the last lap where Barsha had to get him, Ferrandez went a second faster, and he's on a 250F. Now, who knows with the end of the moto what everybody's dealing with. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe somebody didn't have goggles. The goggles were atrocious for everyone all weekend. Uh, no. I don't want to break it down no, to one, one lap, but one. I was like, huh, he couldn't even gain on the 250 guy on the last one, lap. Uh, one man said goggles were not a problem. So it wouldn't have been Barsha's goggles then, because I guess in that case, that's, he was fine. That's where they shine. This is where Scott goggles shine. <laughs> yeah, um, Barsha's... Uh, yeah, and by the way, the rain is what killed uh, Plessinger on Saturday. Saturday, apparently. yeah. Yeah, he couldn't see, because, you know, as we know, there really is no solution for rain on the goggles. Yeah, it's the worst. So when I was a yeah. goggle guy, and it was lightly drizzling, and people would ask me, tear or roll I'm like, you're screwed either way. Yeah, there's nothing besides the windshield wiper. Yeah, I don't even know. So, yeah, supposedly it was raining. He couldn't see. He picked the wrong rug. Um, he crashed. But whatever, everybody else had to wear goggles, too. Yeah. And a lot of guys were screwed with yeah. the goggles, had to pull goggles. Um, Again, not an excuse. Switching to some other teams, we talked about France, and, and great job for them five years in a row. Uh, Netherlands just literally needed a 30th place finish from Vlaanderen in one of the motos, and they win the thing easily. Just 30th place for their MX2 rider, and they win easily. And they couldn't, they couldn't get it because obviously he got a rock in the eye and, and he was done. But that, that's how little they needed from him in one moto to win the thing. Yeah, so I know that next year it's there in Assen. And there's all the speculation. I had even heard it before the race. Our, our guy Adam Wheeler had said he heard rumors that if USA doesn't win Red Bud, they're not even sending a team. I don't know. I kept saying, like, where did you hear that? Mm-hmm. He's like, I can't remember where my source was. Yeah. Anyway. I know that after this performance, and it's going to the sand in Holland next year, that everyone's going to say, dude, it's over. Don't even try. They're going to win for sure. But does that Vlanderen randomly getting hit in the eye with a rock not show you, as JT likes to say, it's racing, man. Yeah. Anything can happen. Yeah, yeah, we got that. Um... They, they can't do any better next year than Koldenhoff and Hurlings dominating the motos. But we've even seen that that doesn't even necessarily guarantee it because of the, just the randomness. Um, you got to at least show up and try. Yep. And you Italy, know, Italy was good. Well, there's your proof. Italy yep. was anyone giving Italy a shot? No, no one was. And yes. with five minutes to go in Moto Three, they were winning by one point. Yep. Yep. Uh, Lapino rode out of his mind. He as did. Far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Lapino was great. Lapino was not that good, but he rode amazing. Yeah. 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 And uh, Antonio had to throw his goggles in the third moto when he got passed by Paul Lynn and passed by, I think, Anstey. And that was all she wrote. Some goggle issues might have cost Italy the, the Disney Nations win. Yeah, you would have thought the only road ever that Italy would have to win this one is Crowley would just have to have a monster day. 
Uh, but he didn't. He crashed in the first turn of Moto One. Yep. And then had the goggle problems in Moto Two. And uh, I I heard your interview with him. Like he he knew it, man. He was bummed. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, yeah. Uh, Australia was leading going into the last moto. Now, granted, that was with no drop, so it was a little mis- it was a little misleading. But yeah, and Hunter Lawrence is their best guy, so yeah, but they you know, great. You going into Moto Three, he's done, so it was going to be hard to maintain that. Yep. And Gibbs um, uh, Gibbs crashed yep. in Moto first lap of the Moto Three, and that was it for them. Um, yep. But they were Australia had a good finish. They had a good strong deal. Great Britain. Yeah. Tommy Searle's motor let go in the first moto. It was smoking forever. Two laps to go. It lets go. And uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, it was. It was. Well, that was one of the struggles because Tomac spent all of Saturday and most of the first moto Sunday not being able to do anything with Tommy Searle. Dude, and that's what I'm saying. Tommy has had a bad year. Um, and then, yeah, it was just so, I mean, there was, we talked about goggles, we talked about bikes, we talked about issues, like tons of issues for tons of riders oh, and teams, right? Like, yes. yeah, Canada, Canada blew up a bike. So, you know, they were, Medaglia yeah. was yeah. in the top 10. Medaglia was in the top 10 in that second moto and would have got it. Would have finished there. Barsha, yeah. Barsha and him were going back and forth the lap times. Barsha was creeping up on him, creeping up on him, and may w- and maybe would have gotten him. That's how bad Justin rode. And, and, yeah, I, and I love T-Dags, and I love T-Dags, but yeah. Right. But is there any race, did it even seem possible <laughs> that there would ever be a race where Barsha is just trying to take tents no. out of Medaglia? <laughs> From Tyler Medaglia. No. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's uh, it, it's uh, – <laughs> It's amazing. Um, yeah, Tixier's bike blew up. They 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 borrowed a motor from Mexico. Did you read? I read that somewhere. I think Adam Wheeler said that. Did you Did you know that? No, they didn't say where it was. They just said they were able to yeah. get a stock motor. Well, Team Mexico, where. Mexico, who, oh, did, wow. who did not make the uh, A final. Uh, wow. Mexico gave them a motor. So Mexico and France won the destinations. Franco, Franco, Mex, Frexico, 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 yeah. Um, hey, again, I went over there. Yeah, so, you know, Tixier is a, essentially a privateer-type effort because he didn't even have a ride, really. Yeah. It's like the, the, he was out of a team. He's got a ride for next year. They let him start early so he could do this. But he didn't have the two bikes, which is, you know, you're allowed to have two bikes. Yeah. So I went over there before the third moto, and I'm like, where's the other bike? <laughs> they don't have one, and they didn't have another motor either. So... But then I saw like nine French guys working on his bike, putting, I guess, this borrowed Mexico engine in. Uh, and it just struck me again as like, they've got a good operation going here. They figured it out. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Puerto Rico. Puerto oh. Rico. Oh. <laughs> I, oh. Did you hear my interview with Wyndham? I'm just like, yes. thank you. Thanks for coming up. Yep. It, was, it was awesome. I don't care how they did. And by the way, I say this with all due respect and all love in my heart. I can't believe how bad Travis Pastrana is now as far as his body and how he looks on a motorcycle. Like, I, my picture of Travis Pastrana, everybody, is just this amazing dirt bike rider who can do anything he wants, flying through whoops, you know, just amazing skills and speed. And he looked like a tin man from Wizard of Oz on the bike. He's so beat up. Yeah, it's shocking. I mean, yes, remember there was a time where Travis Pastrana, James Stewart, Ricky Carmichael, hmm, I wonder who's really got the skills. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I just. Yeah. I and then Wyndham. I don't know if Wyndham stood up more than thirty seconds total, but it was great having them there, man. It was great. It was, and I was never anti Monty Mac uh, through this. I mean, I, I understood the controversy and the problem, and yeah. I understood why people didn't like Ronnie Mac being a part of it. Yep. It didn't bother me personally, but I get it. But I have to say, I think it was better having Wyndham because Wyndham is awesome, and for him to go out there, look, I know you say you don't care about their results, but the fact that they were bad enough to not qualify on Saturday, which meant they had to win the B final on Sunday, that was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. It was perfect. It was great. It was yeah. Perfect. yeah. It wasn't great for Kevin Wyndham. Probably to do three motos, but he only did yeah. two in one lap. But you're absolutely now, right. I was standing near the gate when that B final took off. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where you were watching from, but what was it like? Did Wyndham hole shot it? Uh, I don't know if he officially hole shot it. He didn't lead a lap. He, uh, there right. was the guy who led went down, and then Wyndham was briefly in the lead, and then the guy went from third around him. Uh, I think it was an Irish guy. Was it? No, it was an Irish guy. I don't know who it was. Um, yeah, Irish Do- were in. Doherty. Yeah. Uh, South Africa? Uh, South, South Africa. South Africa. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so he didn't actually lead much. He, left, he led for maybe a second or two. So that would have been awesome to see Wyndham come over the finish with the lead. That would have been amazing. But, um, but even just when he pulled the good start and was up yeah. front, or even briefly when he led, like... I was working my way up to a place where I could watch it. What yeah. was what was that like? Oh yeah, no, it's crazy. It they were loving it. People were loving it. They were they were cheering those guys everywhere they went around the track. Sipes, Wyndham, Pastrana, anywhere they were, the crowd was cheering. It was great. Yeah, as, again, I, I didn't have an issue with the Ronnie Mac thing, but I don't believe that Ronnie Mac on a CR250 was going to be able to do what Wyndham did, which was get up front in that moto. And I feel like you can't disrespect Wyndham, even though he's not in shape and he had to ride sitting down, because you're like, dude, the guy's been retired for five years. In his prime, he was on a team that won this race. So, like, you can't, you, you yeah. just have to have respect for him going no, out there and no, doing it. it was great. It, yeah. was, it was awesome. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I guess, I guess that it, Wyndham, after the B final said, I, I, or before the day, he said, I'm not doing three motos. I don't care how we do in the B final. And he won the B final. And uh, and then they convinced him to do the, the motos. And then he said, I ain't doing this, the third moto. And then they convinced him to go one lap. And then Pastrana said, I'm done after the one moto. I'm not going back out. I'm done. And Randy Richardson told this story on the Pulp Show. And Randy was like, oh, you better get that bike ready because things change with Travis. And Wyndham went over and said, we're not done. We are going out one more time, and they only did a lap yeah. or whatever. But, but it was like the whole team was throwing in the towel, and everyone around them was picking them up and making them go back out and everything. Yeah. So, um, and you, uh, hey, you were at the um, press conference on Friday, um, and they were huge, weren't they? You said it was massive. Yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing like Travis Pastrana in in multiple ways. Yeah, so the press conference is happening on Friday. They're introducing the top teams and giving him microphone time. And it was so loud in the back of the room, you couldn't really hear. And everybody's like, why are these, these are journalists. Why are you so dumb? Why are they talking? Why are they not listening? Why are they, and then we realized it was because Pastrana was in the back of the room and you just, the hubbub cannot be contained. You cannot contain the hype anywhere Travis goes. Uh, so as long as he was in the room, uh-huh. you could forget who was talking. And Max Hansley let that be known when he dropped an F-bomb. And said, shut up, I went 1-1 last year, listen to me. Did he really? <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, straight up dropping F-bomb. I mean, he was kidding, yeah. but it was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, 
And, man, we had Travis. I don't think you were around then. I think that was during the pit bike race when we had the Team yeah. Puerto Rico came up to our live show on Saturday, uh-huh. uh, including Travis. And, I mean, just everything, man, his stories, his answers to the questions, how hyped up he got. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he just had the crowd in the palm of his hand just sitting there at the table. Yeah. Just, it's just just incredible. Yeah. The riding was absolutely atrocious. No doubt, it, it, it really was. Yeah. I was. I mean, he's just he needs WD forty in all of his limbs. He's 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 so yeah. stiff, and he's on a two fifty two stroke. And Sipe said on the yeah. Sipe said on the Pulp Show that it was a perfect bike for him because Travis said, "Look, if I ride a four fifty, I may actually get a start." And then I may actually think that I can do something. And then I'm just going to die. You know, so, like, the 250 was actually perfect for him. It was just governing him out there. And we can only do so much. Race tech suspension and engines, people. Pulpamex 18 is the code to save. Breaking through the limitations of OEM designs, Racetech specializing in high-performance suspension, parts, service, and setups, modifying stock suspension components to perform at the highest level. Discover why more top privateers trust Racetech, guys like the HEP Suzuki team, and many more in the pits use Racetech for their suspension and engines mods. Pulpamex 18, you can save using the code. Please check them out, Racetech.com. Do it. Maxxis Tires. From your bike to your truck and almost everything with wheels in between, Maxxis Tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, just ask the king, Jeremy McGrath. You know, Wyndham did the uh, did a hill clicker on the last lap of the B final. I heard, yeah. Oh, and, unbelievable! And Pastrana did a backflip on the parade lap of the third moto. Yes. Um, yeah. So, like, to give you an idea of this is my summation of how Team Puerto Rico kind of saved it and cheered things up for people. So we're watching Team USA not picking the third gate in the third <laughs> moto. We're watching Barsha go all the way wide. What did Dan? And and, what did like, Dan? What did Dan and Paul think of this? So, so. Uh, um, Koldenhoff pulled in behind that gate and then basically prayed to God that no one took it. He just waited and waited and waited. And Dan's like, look at him. He's in the starting blocks. He's in the starting blocks. He's like Usain Bolt. He's in the starting blocks. He wants that gate. And then he went into it. And we're like, what is wrong? Why, why are they not taking this gate? Why? And then we look to see how far out Barsha and Tomac is, and there's one lone dude already lined up on the furthest outside gate. It was Wyndham. <laughs> 20 dudes haven't even picked yet, and Wyndham's yeah. just like, I know I'm getting the last gate. I'm just going in first. Yeah, yeah. And it was like every time you're like, this sucks, this is going horribly, you'd see Wyndham coming around, you'd see Pastrana coming around, the crowd would get pumped again. It was like this pick-me-up throughout yeah. the weekend of like, well, yeah. at least that's funny, at least yeah. that's cool. All right, let's, uh, before we wrap this thing up, Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Maxis and Alpine Stars. Before we wrap this thing up, let's touch on a few other things. Now, Weed, you haven't been to the Disney Nations except for Buds, Unadilla back in the day, right? You never went to Yeah, it. and You're... again, that was only two motos. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What did you think of the atmosphere? The crowds on Sunday were amazing, and the atmosphere and everything. What's your thoughts on that? I'm interested because you haven't been to Europe one. Yeah, I mean, it was big, and the crowd was awesome, and the people were just so cool. Like, you know what it actually reminded me of? Uh, when the uh, New York Yankees won the World Series in 1996, they hadn't won in a long time. And I went to the ticker tape parade in New York City, yep. 
and the fans, well, just not fans. Everyone in New York City is known as being tough, mean. They don't smile. They stick to themselves. And it was weird being there. Everybody was just happy. There was just so much happiness in Manhattan that day. Like, everyone was smiling. Everybody was pumped. Everyone was hugging and high-fiving in, like, a way that New Yorkers never do. Right. And I felt that same way. Like, how many fans did you see who were just mega-stoked, best yes. mood ever, yep. even though it was raining, even at times Team USA was doing shitty? Didn't matter. They were just stoked. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you're right. Uh, at one point, I looked down at the uh, – down by the Natchez Tower, and uh, there was a leprechaun and an American bald eagle and a guy dressed as a cow all rolling around in the mud together. I mean, that just <laughs> says love. That's just, that's just unity yes. and love. Yes, yes. And I feel bad only because if the weather had been better, we, we got – I think they got the majority of it. The crowd was really big, and it was pretty epic. But you would have loved to have seen the absolute ultimate apex, like if you had Red Bud donations with great weather. I mean, I'm sure there were yeah. – it had to have hurt the crowd somewhat. I, I don't know if it did, to be honest. I, I don't know. <laughs> really? It was insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I regret I never made it back to the infield once the motos began. Yeah, how come? I was kind of looking for you in the announcer's tower. It was great uh, viewing. I was actually, I felt like I was getting a lot out of uh, where I was. Plus, it was so hard to get over there. Yeah. Like, it's a 15-minute commitment to make that walk. <laughs> Just the way they had the yeah, track. Yeah. Because they wouldn't let you, unlike the National, you know, where the regular yeah, starting gate is. Yeah, yeah, no, they wouldn't you, let you through there. You couldn't walk over there. Yeah. That was medics only. Um, yeah. It, it, was, it was great to see. And uh, met a lot of people who love the podcast. A lot of people who love the podcast. Thank you, everybody. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It, it was actually pretty amazing. So I was up in the announcer's tower all weekend long. Thanks to Tim Ritchie for letting me get up there. Uh, get me a pass, and um, you know I was I wasn't announcing a little bit, but you you know when you're up there, we just, they just grab you, right? You were one of the guys; they just grab you to talk, right? But yeah, by the way, I just had a regular media pass, and I still got up there. So oh, did did you? Okay, yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I helped so, out a lot um, during uh, Saturday, Sunday morning. I was up there for an hour or two. Yeah. So, uh, but during the motos, I felt like I'd never been to one of these, really, and I had a chance to be in that skybox with all the teams, and I'm like, I'm going to learn more right. yeah, with be, all the Team USA people and watching how they work than right. I will up here talking to you, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, the only thing about me that I liked up there was you could see great viewing. You could see both sides of the track, you know, so right. True. Um, that part was yep. awesome. But I, I so Bidus, there was a, a guy named Warren. Warren? What was his name? Roger. Roger. Roger Warren. Roger Warren. Oh, yeah. Roger Warren is a uh, He was up there. Star. The Ustream brings him in. He's the British guy that announces. And then uh, Megawatt was up there and Rob Bidas and Tim Cotter, of course. And I'm just kind of flying the wall, hanging out, looking at the screens, watching the race, everything else. Bidas's voice is shot from the pit bike thing that, the, the night before on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, Roger takes off to go I don't know where. I think the podium. I think Tim took off to do the podium also. And Bidas is voice is shot and for the end of the race you know everybody wants to get excited Bidas is like hey Mathis here you go call call the last lap or two and the winners because your voice what? yeah and I'm live announcing France winning Koldenhoff winning Hurlings and I you did yeah and I thought back about how I could not even get a pass to Glen Helen USGP a few years back <laughs> I was banned <laughs> You know, from Ustream. And now I am announcing, live announcing, the you know, the climactic finish to their events. I just, I really thought it was funny. 
So I can't I can't believe that. So you did you literally call it? Like I you called were the it. one that made the call. I called it over top. Congratulations to Team France. There's Coach A. Paul and there's Glenn Kolonov, Jeffrey Hurlings. Here's Tom. I mean, I, I did I did the whole thing because Bidas' voice was show shot. You know, and he wanted you wanted some emotion in the moment, right? You want some excitement, and he couldn't do it. And I was just laughing, thinking, look at what I'm doing right now. Hey, everyone at Ustream, check me out. I'm announcing your event. Oh, God, it was funny. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it was really, really funny. I just thought it was so yeah. ironic. You know, I just like. So, anyways. That, and to me that there were like nine real announcers. And yeah. Somehow. Yeah. 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 He's the media guy. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was pretty funny. I thought that was a really funny thing. And then so, um, and for people who want to know, Weege, when you were on the Racer X TV show, um, for the 800th time, the sod stealing that you spoke about oh last gosh. week, that was not why your face was all jacked up. You did not have a fight over sod. No, uh, but it is, again, absolutely shocking, like you said, how many people, how many podcast fans we met. And, I mean, I did put the sod thing on Instagram, too, so I don't know if all of the resources were based on this podcast, but I feel like there wasn't a single human being that I walked by all weekend who didn't say something about the sod. Yeah, yeah. No. It's just insane. And, by the way, all the sod, as I predicted, ended up in a dumpster, <laughs> and their yard is bare again. As just, I, I just, yeah, so I crashed. Yeah. Yeah, Go I ahead. crashed um, absolutely headfirst, face first yeah. on my mountain bike on, um, on uh, Wednesday, and I could not even twist my neck on Thursday. And I'm like, how am I going to do a desk show? Well, you basically have to turn your head. That's really the only physical hey, requirement. You would have been like Pastrana. Just, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Just grease. Just grease me up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was always a sod joke followed by what happened to your face. Was it because of one of the old people with the sod? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so you crash your mountain bike, everybody. We want to let, yeah. let everybody know about that. Um, well, athlete, true athlete. Yeah. That's what I want yeah. you to know. Um, the racer, before we wrap, the racertv.com show, Tim Cotter kind of came up with the idea. Uh, Griff was a, his son, Griff was uh, the director. Um, and this thing went from 6 to 11 on Friday night and Saturday night. And it is. It might be the most insane thing I've ever been a part of. Uh, check out the archives. And we, as we said, Weege, you hosted for nine hours and 40 minutes. I carried it for 20. I literally said, get out of here. Like, I cannot believe you've been up here the whole time. You... I had to pee so bad. I had gone four. I had gone. Because of the Nationals, I have to go four straight hours. But we had we were moving into hour five. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so, but anyways, that whole thing, yeah. it actually worked. It actually, they pulled it off. And it was insane. It was just nutty. All the guests, all the people that came by, the fans breaking down the fence, the pit bikes on the stage. <laughs> Who said pit bikes? Who was the guy that said, hey, pit bikes, right up on the stage? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like, people kept looking at me like I, I was in charge of this deal. <laughs> like, I have a headset on. I can't even see. Like, those lights in front of us, you could barely see anything. Like, I, yeah, anything that was happening, I had no idea what was happening. For some reason, the pit bikes all ended up on the stage. There's burnouts, and then the engines are steaming, so you, then you really couldn't see. But, yeah, that moment when we had Villapoto up there, when the pit bike crowd and the live show crowd combined into one. Right, right, right. As somebody said, they're like, that must have felt like being in concert. And I was like, yeah, that's probably what it is. Like, it was just people. We were yeah. on a stage and people cheering as far as the eye could see. Yeah, it was... Uh... It was Unbelievable. <laughs> and everybody's walking on stage, and the pit bike guys are throwing their gloves and goggles. Galdi's <laughs> shotgunning a beer. Um, it's yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. 
It was just nutty. Um, it was. It was. And to really stamp it, you know, that moment of peak crowd was for Ryan Villapoto, which really was good in so many ways because of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. And, yeah. and you know, we were talking to him after it, and I, I, I can't even hear what he's saying. I'm just nodding and going, yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay, all right. I can't hear anything yeah. at that point. Yeah. Chainsaws and everything. Um, mm-hmm. I put something on my Instagram. I said, who wants to see this for the Nationals? And, and the response was big. Everybody wants to see something like that for the Nationals. Yeah, and it's not something that would be that hard to pull off. We we have the technology. Yeah. Uh, but, look, we got bailed out because – we had 34 ex-Team USA members at our disposal as guests. So that's, that's a big, big help, which I don't think we're ever going to have again. Yeah. Uh, a, and then we had that unbelievable crowd. So I think it would be awesome, but we're not going to replicate no. what we had this no. weekend. I mean, we're just, ah, oh, let's, let's get Jeff Ward over here. Let's get <laughs> Jeff Stan over here. Let's get Rick Johnson over here. Let's get Jeremy McGrath over here. Like, yeah. that helped. What, uh... What was the coolest interview, did you think? Was there a couple that stood out over the, over the two days? Uh, you know what, actually, the best one was, and this surprised me. We ended up having uh, RV and Carmichael together on the second day. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, look, Carmichael, for whatever reason, is I, I feel like he tries to take the, the political high road these days. I feel like you don't get RC raw yep. very often. I know in all your interviews you've done with him. <laughs> I mean, up. I can never really crack that, that hard exterior of RC. I <laughs> yeah. just I can't. Yeah. So for some reason, they were kind of letting loose, and um, they both talked about how they had to really try to enjoy things that they didn't enjoy, and then they couldn't really do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wished that the, I think one of them said, like, the, the Friday night autograph signings are the worst thing ever, and then whoever, whichever one of them said that is like, I don't mean it that way. I don't mean it that way. It's important. But, you know, we're told we're supposed to win races. That's why we're being paid, and then we have to do Friday night stuff, which gets in the way of winning races you can't get dinner you you can't get to sleep and Carmichael's like I wish I had done more media when I raced I wish I had done more media and RV's like me too and then we really got into that and eventually Carmichael's saying he's like and why does everybody keep everything so secret man there are no secrets and Villapota's like I agree we should he was the worst guy RV was the worst guy RC was the worst guy for keeping secrets yes RV RC was the worst guy for keeping secrets RV was the worst guy for enjoying that yes, stuff. Yes, for enjoying he did it all. But yep, he, yep. And it was blowing my mind how they <laughs> were now kind of talking trash right. on the current industry riders, teams, for not opening it up more. Wow. And RV's like, they should sell team radios. Fans can listen to. Tire pressure, clickers, whatever, man. They should be able to hear it all. And Carmichael's like, I agree, man. What? We're not changing anything that anyone doesn't know. And I finally said, all right, RC. <laughs> I want to go back to 1999, find some ex-retired rider that said, you should give up your secrets, and you'd be the first one to say, I ain't telling nobody nothing. And he's like, you're right. You're right. And our guy Megawatt said, do you think if you had done all that, maybe you'd only have 100 wins instead of 150? And he's like, very well could be. I don't know if you could do both. Nah. He's good enough. You don't think so? He was good enough that none of that mattered. But... I mean, it was, yeah, Maybe. he was very secretive. And RV didn't enjoy any of that stuff. Luckily, him and I got along pretty well. So I, he was good. I got a lot of interviews out of him. But yeah. I had so yeah. many media guys tell me over the years that he sucks and they hate him and they don't want to talk to him. You know? Yeah. 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 For sure. It was, it was just yep. crazy to hear those and two. Did, did RV, yeah. RV's latest thing is that he's the most popular ex rider ever, retired rider ever, as he run this by you, this theory? Uh, he didn't say most popular, best. Oh, best. Okay, yeah, best, best retired rider ever. 
Yes, he's already clinched it. It's already been decided. I suggested, I'm like, you know, I feel like the era started like McGrath did pretty good when he was retired. He was really cool. And he just gave me this angry stare of like, how dare you even suggest somebody else? He's the best retired rider ever. I love it. Um, Yes. Uh, and by the way, but look, man, Pete Crowd, Pete Crowd was the cause of Villapoto, and as an unfortunate proof, we let him go. We brought up Doug Henry and John Dowd, and we had twelve people in the crowd. <laughs> and Mike Treadwell, later. and Mike Treadwell, I don't think you heard this part because you were hosting. Treadwell said he was going to give Dowdy so much shit because everybody left when John Dowd got on stage. Yes. Treadwell couldn't yeah, wait. Yeah, he told me that. He even oh, went yeah, on Facebook yeah. and said, hey, if you need to clear this crowd out, I know who to get. <laughs> Treadwell was, was very excited for his buddy to make this joke. Yes. Um, well, and, what, what, you were up there. You were, weren't you part of that interview with Dowd and Henry? No. You were not? No. I was oh, not. okay. I mean, I literally got up, went to the bathroom, came back four minutes later, and 9,000 fans had disappeared. <laughs> you were like, huh? What happened? Yeah. Um, and I said to the police officer, I'm like, how did you do this? How did you get this crowd corralled? Yeah. He's like, they all left. <laughs> and I'm like, well, and Henry, now, not p- the greatest retired riders of all time. Part of it was because Deegan drove by in his truck, I heard. In his monster truck. Everybody ran. So that was part of the reason why. Deegan drove by. Um Oh, Dowd and Henry getting the blame. <laughs> uh, and also, too, um, full props, by the way. Aaron Plessinger was standing out in the, in the in, off of his pit talking to a bunch of people. He gave me time for a post-race interview. Uh, and Weege, uh, he, he gave others, too. And Tomac, yep. Barsha, and Plessinger did a video interview with you. I was very surprised you were able to get them, to be honest. Uh, I asked Barsha to come on the show last night, and he kind of really didn't want to. Um and I can't blame them. I, they didn't go well, and these are the things that happens. And, and I've been on teams with, with – I didn't want to talk to anybody either as, as a mechanic. I just hated life. Uh, full props to Plessinger, yeah. Barsha, and Tomac for coming out and doing that video with you and Racer X. Uh, good job to them and, and stand-up guys for that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, uh, because, first of all, they're just depressed. Let's yeah. just start there, right? But second – and I don't know if they're analyzing this. They probably just don't want to do stuff because they're depressed. But second, whatever they say, it's not going to work. Like, if you try to explain anything, those are just cheap excuses. Like, I guess we've made for the last hour and a half here. Um, So what are you going to say? So really, they just came on and said they got beat, and they had bad days. Uh, I mean, I feel a little bad. Eli, I saw Plessinger. He was down for it. I asked Barsha. He was down for it. And I'm like, oh, this is putting Eli on the spot. So I saw his mom, and I'm like, is he lying in his motorhome? And she's like, yeah, go knock on the door. Go see him. And I'm like, uh, are you sure he wants to come out? She's like, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I would, hey, for the record, she told me that also. He's in the motorhome. I'm like, okay, I'm, I am not knocking on that door. Yeah. <laughs> for real. I, I, I wanted to do the same, but I right. felt like, look, if I end up having just Plessinger and Barsha, it's going to really make Tomac look bad, mm-hmm. even though he never said no. Like, if I don't ask it's going to look like he, you know, didn't want to face the music or something. Yeah, yeah, so I'm like, yeah. I have to at least give yeah, him the option. Yeah, 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 you do. So that's what I said. And I'm like, look, if you don't <laughs> want to go out into the crowd, just let me interview you in here or something. So yeah. it'll at least be on the video and it doesn't look like you were ducking the question. Yep. But you don't have to go out there in that madhouse. And he's like, I'll do it. Yeah. So props no. to him. Props to, the, to those guys, for sure. And they were like, uh, there's a seven dwarfs. They're like the three dwarfs. There was Plessinger still happy. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Barsha was like moderately somewhat okay. Okay. <laughs> he like was and angry. And Tomac was just <laughs> effing furious. 
Oh yeah, no, I bet. But yeah, no, good job for those guys for doing it. I, I might even, I actually should. I'm going to send out a tweet for that too because I was impressed because those yeah, guys, had, those guys had yeah. the, the 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 all the pressure and all the disappointment and everything, and they had to feel like crap, and and they still did some media. So, um, yeah, you know. and it wasn't like, look, I wasn't throwing them hardball no, questions yeah. here. What happened? You, you, <laughs> Yeah, what are you going to do? Like, I didn't want to make it total, like, giving them excuses. But at the same time, you're just not – they were giving us a huge hookup to even do that. I didn't want to kick them in the nuts. No, no, for Uh, sure. I mean, when you're knocking a guy's motorhome, you kind of already feel like you've overstepped your boundaries. Yes, Now you want to harass him. Right, right. Yeah. Um, Before we wrap it up here, does the USA send a team to Assen? Uh, yeah, I think there will be. be. Only because, how many times have you said there isn't going to be a team and it ends up that there is one? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think they do, but I, I don't know. Like, that's all I can say. I think there will be a team. Yep. Do, do the, I, I have no idea. Does the, streak, does the streak go to eight after Assam? For the French? No, for the Americans. Oh, the losing streak for yes. the Team USA. Yeah. Again, it's very unlikely, and I know that it'd be even worse to try to win there. But, dude, again, Italy had no chance to be in this, and they were winning yeah. with a few laps to go. Yeah. So I and guess the lesson know. is you just never know uh, with this race. You're you're a rock to the eye away from yeah. the strongest team not being able to win. Uh, you know what? Adam Wheeler had a thought on our post-race pod with JT and I right after the race. He said you send the riders that fit the conditions and he talked about Covington and Osborne and another guy. Osborne yep. will love it, put his hand up. He'll probably pay for a flight himself. And, uh, yep. you know, you know he's going to be pretty strong next year. Um, yep. And he's been there before. Covington podiumed at Aston on the MX2 bike. You know, yep. and, and Adam was just like, that's what you do. Yeah, it's not a bad idea because I do feel like, again, it's seven weeks after or whatever the schedule, whatever it is, however yeah. it works out. Maybe it's yep. five or six. Um to expect the, the all-out efforts, um, you know what they should really do? They should go over early. Oh, they should. come on. That's, that's not going to happen. Well, it's not, but the most likely <laughs> scenario would be dudes yeah. like Osborne and Covington probably would do that. Like go ride sand, go test, go, yeah. Yes. I, I don't see it happening with most guys, right, but right. I feel like those guys might be more willing um, to do that, because from what I can tell, apparently you literally cannot find those conditions anywhere in the continental United States. Yeah, yeah. Can sound like that? You know, you could you could go to Toronto. Outside of Toronto, there's a track called Gopher Dunes. It literally is Lomo. Yeah, I, it would it would help. And now Aspen's a little different because I mean, a lot of that sand is actually put on the track, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a little uh, choppier, I guess. It doesn't get beach sand rollers. You know, it gets choppy. Yeah, so yeah, so so maybe um, it's different. But well, yeah, I think they'll have a team, but I'm wondering. How much can change? How much can be changed um, it, with the efforts? It uh, it was a weekend. It was a weekend. Uh, the dinner. It was great. The Racer X show. The pit bike race. I, I, I by, We didn't cover the pit bike race, and, and you were doing media, or you were doing the show during it. And uh, Rob, I was going to have Rob Bidas uh, on the Pulp Show last night. Instead, I said, we are doing a standalone podcast about everything that happened with this pit bike race. And it starts yeah. with Doug Dubok. And it goes oh, from my there. favorite. <laughs> you love that story, yes. I don't know why. Why was Doug Dubok involved? <laughs> the so doctor good. the doctor fixed the problem. Yes. Yeah. We had we were talking about the uh, vet donations race, you know the one that yeah. at Farley yep. Castle a couple weeks ago. Yep. And I was talking to Dowd. 
Dowd was on, a t- on the Team USA. Yeah. It was Dowd, Mike Brown, Todd DeHoop, and Doug Dubach. Now, here's Dowd, one of the all-time just tough guys, yeah. Iron Man, indefatigable. Yeah. And Mike Brown, maybe the all-time tough guy, Iron Man. And Dowd's like, Dubach, man. That guy's an animal. I don't understand. <laughs> and I'm like, you don't understand, and you're not saying this about Mike Brown. And right. he's like, no. So apparently Dubok won three classes at this event. Oh, really? Which, yeah. And uh, I saw the organizer, the, um, Dave King, I think his name is. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he said, Doug's the first guy to ever win all three of his classes in one weekend. And by the way, no one else has ever won two. Really? Wow. It was Doug Dubok's weekend. <laughs> it was Doug Dubok's weekend, man. Oh, man. Uh, back joining us is, is JT. JT, your important meeting uh, is wrapped up. You're good for us? You can yeah, spend time with us? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, um, I had a couple things going on. No worries. A um, couple things, JT, before we uh, wrap on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast show. Uh, does the USA go to Assen? I hope so. If we, if we avoid Assen because we don't think we're going to do well or whatever, you know, any any variable of that, I, I think that's unacceptable. I just don't believe in that. Think about all the countries that go, like Great Britain and all these countries that had they haven't won in forever, right? I don't think Great Britain's won since what ninety four. I just don't think that's an acceptable way to go about racing right. is to just stay about, home because you don't think you can win. What about the Irish? They go every year and get their asses kicked. Not this year. They did actually pretty well, but Ireland goes all the time. Yeah, and, and I understand it's a, a much more expensive venture for the U.S. to go. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, so what? Like, we go there and you do the best you can, and, and yep. sometimes you're you're going to lose. Like, that's part of it. We right. just we got to keep going. I, I don't think that there would be a very favorable response from, you know, the public at large if we just stayed home uh, because we weren't going to do good. Right. Uh, Weege, JT, said on the Pulp Show last night, it might be no moss for him next year, though. JT might pull the trigger himself and just, just it's 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 looking as bleak as it ever has for your participation. I, I I'm trying to figure. Do you mean pull the trigger in in literal or figuratively? <laughs> Every single way. Um, okay, all triggers. Right. You might. No, you know it's for me. It's a long time between now and then. I've, I'll come around. Okay, sure. all right. All it, right. Was, it was pretty disheartening this year, man. I've, I've been through some some tough ones where I think we should have won. <laughs> Going into Matterly last year, I was I was ready to just go watch us get crushed. Like I had yeah. no expectations yeah. at all. Uh, this year, obviously, we've we've covered, you know. But next year is going to be kind. Honestly, it's going to be similar to Matterly for me. I don't think we're going to have much to offer at all compared to those guys on uh-huh. that track. From what I've seen, so maybe maybe I'll come around. Maybe I'll just go in with an open mind, be like, "Hey, we're just going to go race, and, and I'll have a good time," you know, in the Netherlands. But I don't think we're going to do very well. Um, Weed, you're American. Do, does it bother you in one iota of what happened? Uh, I can't say not one iota. Okay. I mean, I right, really, okay. really tried to check uh, at the door as a. Yeah. I mean, people are going to laugh when I say as a journalist. We're covering dirt bike racing. Um, but I really try to analyze this event as a race and who wins and how it turned out, regardless of what country they're from. Uh, but I have to say, it's impossible to completely dismiss yourself from it, because here's why it's so much more devastating for the USA side. If France beats uh, the Dutch, as they did this year, it's just, hey, that's a good win for France and a tough loss for the Dutch. It doesn't become a harbinger of 
a series is overrated and the tracks must suck and too much supercross and the teams are dumb and the riders are dumb or they're soft or lazy. You know what I mean? It's the reason that it's USA against the world is because it's basically all the riders from one series against riders that race in a different series. So it becomes this damnation toward everything American if they don't win. Like no one's saying there's something wrong with the Dutch racing culture because they didn't win this year, right? But when Team USA loses, it's literally like it's Supercross's fault. It's the Nationals' fault. It's the team's fault. It's the riders' fault. Something is wrong with the American motocross system. And we are somewhat a part of that. So it's difficult to completely um, disconnect yourself. I mean, there are fans, and I know after the race people say crazy stuff, but there are fans that are like, I will never look at the AMA Nationals the same way again now that I know it's just a second-tier series nah, of second-rate yeah, riders. Give me a break. I know that's ridiculous, but I'm saying that when right. Team USA loses, you know that stuff's going to happen. So to just say you don't care at all that yeah. they, when they get beat right. is a little hard to do. Like we said last night on the show at the Monster Cup, if whoever wins, someone's just going to yell, What about her legs? Koldenhoff wasn't here! You know, <laughs> uh, that's what I mean. Like it does <laughs> somewhat screw up all the other stuff you're involved in. So sure. for me to say I couldn't care less, right. that's impossible. Uh, Weed, you did a bunch of interviews post race. Great work on that, including the USA one that we talked about. But and 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 by the way, the only reason I care that USA loses is because the the party has never been as fun after the race, right, JT? I mean, when USA's won in the past, the Alpine Stars place is awesome to be at, and that's a lot of fun. So. I do, yeah, yeah. It's, I do it's want them to, to remember. Win it's been so long. It's been so long. It's hard to remember. But right. yeah, I think everybody uh, from every company and even spectators alike had things ready to pull out and things ready to happen in a USA victory, and all of that, you know, went okay. down the drain. So, Weed, you did a bunch of post race stuff. What was the what was the atmosphere like at, the, at these teams, and who who was it that was doing it the best? Yeah, I'm glad you asked, actually. I want to promote these videos. So you might say, I don't care about the Euro teams. I'm an American fan. But you really do owe to yourself to watch these uh, videos. So, of course, I got the one with Team USA. And the only reason I brought the camera crew over to the other area is because, did you see those, like, four leprechaun Irish guys? Yeah. Yeah. They had begged me all weekend since Friday to get on the show. Okay. And I'm like, I don't know where we're going to shoot it. It depends on who wins. And then obviously when I got the American guys, I'm like, we got to just shoot the show now. I don't know where the leprechauns are. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm like, Sorry, let's leprechauns. go find them. Let's just keep roaming. And then we ended up at the Dutch pit, and there's like 100 people with orange shirts. You guys have to watch this video with the Dutch fans. Yeah. It was because I went over to Puerto Rico later. Yeah. Party's bumping. Red Bull's got DJs going. And our buddy Jeremy Malat from Red Bull's like, best party you've seen? And I'm like, nope. Nope. You have Travis Pastrana, you have Puerto Rico, you have all this. Yep. But those effing Dutch fans, it was um, it was absolutely outrageous. And know, then Colton Hoff showed up. It was great. So, did you, again, I didn't watch, but please go watch them, everybody. Um, yeah. Did you get all the French guys? Because I went over there one year after the race, and it was a full techno raging party at, at uh, you know, one year. Um, and I said, hey, like, can I get, uh, I don't know, whoever it was, Paul. I, maybe it wasn't Paul, and I think I got him in a media tent, but I, one of their guys, uh, Fabre. Yeah. Hey, is Fabre around? Like, can I, can I get a little bit of interview? And I was just told, no. No, you cannot. <laughs> like, and I'm just like, okay, like, all right. But, but so you went there and said, hey, I'm, 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 I'm Jason Wygant. Can we get these guys on video? And they, and they came back out and did it? Like, that's cool. It did take a little wrangling. Oh, I have it did? to say, okay. first of all, 
I am shocked um, how much Clout Racer X and probably some of his podcasts and the post-race shows on video, uh, how much clout that has with the European fans and riders. You know, I never had to really introduce myself to anyone all weekend. They just know. Yeah, see, that, see, that was my problem. That, I was people were like, "Yeah, not you, jerk off." You know, like yeah, that was my issue. Yeah. yeah. But I think both of you had said this. It only goes one direction, right? The Europeans pay attention to the American stuff. Uh, yeah. How many American fans oh, are truly yeah. like, "Yeah, I can recognize yeah. every GP rider." Hell no, no. Hell with no. his helmet off. Right. Yeah. Um, no, we went over to France and. Okay. Um, awesome. They were. Yeah, they were in the truck, and. Uh, they didn't want the riders out because that would ruin the party and the team chef wouldn't get his love. <laughs> but Ferrandis waved me in. We did it in there. Tixier was walking around. I got him. And then Paulin, this is, this, this is my final thought on this show. Paulin purposely goes back into the crowd so I could do the interview with him there. And I'm like, hey, let's cheer for this guy. And I don't think they speak any English, so no one cheered. <laughs> so Paulin is like, follow me. So you hear him say, bring your cameraman here. Bring him here. Yep. Point this way. Point right. this way. And right. then he chanted something in French, and the crowd went nuts. <laughs> so he not only did the interview, he told us how to shoot he it. He was also the do. hype man. He was also the hype man. Yeah. Um, so I give those guys right. huge props. They were, Of course, they won, so they were happy. But Did you listen to my post-race thing with him? He like said, uh, it's very good that you admit that, that you admit that you know, you're sorry that Marv... I was like, wow, blown away by that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ferrandis, like you, he asked me if I was sad, but I'm like, nah. But I, I was good, man. I never really yeah. went too far yeah, into he, the market. He, so. he said, are you sad? I said, I'm Canadian. And he went, oh. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I'm mad you bet you beat Jess Pettis. Uh, before we wrap, and I know I've said this three times already, but for reals now, JT, uh, we already touched on it, but the Racer X TV experience, you were a big part of that. Uh, even blew me off for a podcast for the Racer X TV thing. Uh, apparently, video is more important to you than audio. Uh, but Correct. Uh, how was it? How was it for you, and, and how cool was that whole thing? Yeah, it was great. I uh I wish and hope that somehow that can be a reality for most events. Uh, you know, it's all it's all about money, right? It's it's really expensive to pull off a video production like that. Um, but I thought it came off really well. Obviously, the atmosphere is really hard to replicate because you know that's a kind of a once in a lifetime event that we had last weekend. But uh, I think the the platform is there, you know, with with a homage to College Game Day. You know, they they yeah. have been doing this type of thing for a long time but i think the sport as it continues to grow i think there is a a demand for it and a and a real place for some sort of preview show like that and and you know supercross live i think does a does a good job during the actual racing and practice that's going on but something you know in the morning that you know people can even watch at their hotel or you know they're coming to the event before they even come i just think there is such a it's such a cool um you know, addition mm-hmm. to the sport. And I thought I came off well, there were so many guests, you know, that's a hard, another hard thing to get is that, that level of guests and that number of just a stream of motocross legends to come over. Yep. But even if it was just a one-off thing and we never do it again, it was a huge success. It was amazing. It was great. Thanks to everybody for coming by. Uh, and thanks everybody for listening to this podcast. Any final destinations thoughts from either one of you, Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas. I'm hoping I wake uh, I up tomorrow. I talk for 10 hours. I'm good. Dream. What's yeah. that, Weege? Oh, I talk for 10 hours. I'm good. Okay. JT? Uh, I'm just hoping I wake up tomorrow and it's uh, Wednesday, October 3rd, and it, that was all a dream. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, by the way, uh, if you're in Vegas for the Monster Cup, October 12th, thespacelv.com, Weege, JT, myself, 
Kiefer, Marks, some Bradshaw. I don't think I told you that, JT. Bradshaw is going to be there. Yeah, I was there whenever uh, yeah. Max asked if Bradshaw should oh, go. No, or actually, I meant sorry, Weege. I don't know if I told you, Weege. Jay Bradshaw is going to be there. RV is going to be there. Right. It's a live podcast show. So, people, please check them out. TheSpaceLV.com. Tickets are 20 bucks only. So, um, all right, everybody. Thanks to Fly Racing, Maxis, uh, Alpine Stars, of course. Uh, Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas. Thanks, boys. See you guys. See you Friday. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. I was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that air I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, hey,